Welcome to Fierce Fit Feminine and Other F-Words. I'm Christine Brunelli, and I help women unsuck themselves. F is for fertility, except this episode is not just about fertility. We have some flips and twists and turns in this interview that took me by surprise. It is longer than most of my episodes, but I would love to encourage you to hang in there because, boy, at about the halfway point, she threw a monkey wrench into the story, and I was totally blown away. We're talking near-death experience blown away. Okay, let me just tell you who we're going to be meeting today. Dr. Busa Jafari, she describes herself as a feminine, fierce, fun-loving, multicultural, multilingual citizen of this world, married mother of two, a trained dentist, flight attendant who loves dancing, skiing, baking, and discovering new things. Are you ready to hear her story of fertility troubles and landing on the other side? Let's get started. Musa, thank you so much for being here, willing to share your story. I know there's a lot of women that are eager to hear your story, how you went through it, and how you landed on the other side. Are you ready to share? Uh, yes. All right. Thanks for being here. So take us, yeah, take us on a journey. Tell us a little bit about a little bit about before you met the man of your dreams, what was life like for Busa? And then when you got married. Everything about your dreams, hopes and dreams of building a family. Kind of take us on a little quick trip through that. Okay. So I met my husband in Germany where I grew up. um, And we were both very eager to um, finish our uh, education and get started on our careers before um, we even think of planning uh, to expand our family um, of two. And I was very far away from... uh, really the desire of wanting to have children because I had grown up in an educated family and it was all about having an education. And that was basically the child that I was raising. (laughs) So we, we decided, and he was very, he's very open-minded. So he was totally encouraging that and, and thought so too, that he wants to be finished with uh, his residency and uh, me with my dental school and everything. And so then we, he wanted to do his residency in the U.S. And so we moved here to United States. And I um, followed him a year after, after I finished my uh, dental school studies in northern Germany and came here and did residency here and went through um, the exams and all the hoops that I had to jump through to get licensed here in the States. And so at some point, I mean, we were living really the life because we were living in Midwest and um, there was money and not much to do. So we did a lot of traveling together and Mm -hmm. uh, enjoyed our lives. And so there came a time where we just decided, okay, um, we're ready for having a baby. Oh, fun. That's that's how it started. So how how old were you when you got married and how old were you or how far into the marriage were you when you made that decision? So we married when I was 25. Okay. um, And we decided to get pregnant when I was 34. Okay. 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 So nine years after. Double income, no kids, living life, flying all over the world. Exactly. All over U.S. too, because this was something we wanted to get to know too. And so, yeah, that's what we did. All right. So tell us now, you decide you want to start a family. So what happened? So um, what happened is we, we did have a baby pretty fairly quick after we decided I got pregnant, a very smooth, beautiful pregnancy. And I delivered my son, my firstborn in August of 2004. Wonderful. Yes. Then we moved to Washington State. And uh, actually, two, yes, we moved to Washington State. And then I, we tried to get pregnant again. Um, and that is when I truly had the desire to have another child. Okay. Because the first time came along so easy that I did not know anything about the struggles of wanting to have a baby and it not happening. Mm-hmm. Maybe if the struggle was at first, it, it would have been much easier for us to give up or relax or whatever they tell you to do. Right. <laughs> but um, uh, with the second child, I knew exactly what I want and what I'm getting into. So the desire was, was completely different. It was, it 
it became almost like an obsession after a while okay. because it just didn't happen. Okay. Well, so how old was your son when you decided you wanted to have a second child? Uh, actually, he was about two years old. Okay. So you're 36. Yes. yes. Two years old. I'm 36. And that's where, um, of course, the rates of the uh, pregnancy loss, um, the miscarriages start raising. Okay. And so I had a couple um, spontaneous uh, pregnancy losses. Mm. It wasn't uh, that I did not get pregnant. I just had many pregnancy losses. To be honest with you, I have lost count of those. Oh my goodness. And how, and how long would your body hold the pregnancy before you would lose it? Um, about two to four weeks. I was so trained in this that I would immediately know <laughs> that I was pregnant without even um, starting the test or anything. It okay. just, I could tell from my complexion, mm-hmm. from the way the skin felt and, and just the eyes, I could tell, I could look in the mirror and tell that I was pregnant. And then I would do the test and it would come up positive. And then a week later or so I would have bleedings. And so it was mostly between two to four weeks, what they call biochemical pregnancies. Okay. Then I think the, the longest I had gone was between five and six weeks. Okay. And so this happened multiple times? This happened multiple times until we um, started seeing an infertility doctor. And we were back then still in Midwest, actually. I now remember. We started kind of the step one of treatments, nothing serious, just um, clomide, uh, you know, what what they give you to... Um, ensure the release of egg and things like that and watching the diet and uh, do this and that and make sure you are good with exercise and healthy living, which I, I was always careful, but I was then on my guard. But then we moved to Seattle and I continued the infertility treatment at the Seattle Reproductive Medicine at Westlake. Okay. And then we dived into the journey of IVFs. Oh, Wow. Um, and I went through that procedure twice, which was absolutely devastating. I have to say it is like something because you build up hope and everything is so well monitored and it is incredible. And every single aspect of your life is just dictated by that. Um, not naturally, but from yourself. I mean, you think all your decisions are in the shadow of this, wanting to get pregnant. And yeah, so can so, I pause you right here? Because I have a couple sure. of questions. Yes. I, I have two questions. The first one is, uh, I had a miscarriage. I had one in, I have two children. So I had a miscarriage in between my first and a middle child. It would have been a middle child. So mm-hmm. my son was about 18 months old and I lost a baby at nine weeks. I was... <laughs> Uh, the my hormones must have I, I never felt that baby move I never felt the baby kick but I was devastated and I wasn't even looking to have a child at that point right yeah my hormones yeah. were so all over the place that I was I grieved the loss of this baby and I'm wondering with you going through so many so many losses did you did you go through that did you feel like you were losing your mind because you were absolutely crazy? Absolutely. And every woman does. And, and I tell you, Christine, ever since, um, I've experienced that I have so much understanding for, I mean, every time I hear somebody had a miscarriage, it is like really the, the insides of me start shaking because I know exactly it is something completely out of control. And I felt no ridiculous. one knows. Yes. I felt ridiculous yes. because I thought I didn't even have a chance to connect with this baby. <laughs> and yeah. I was crying like at the loss of it. And it's the yes. most, and I'm coming from someone who was not longing, right? I already had a, a child, a baby. I was not trying at the time, but wow, my right. emotions were everywhere and I couldn't control it. And so right. with you having multiple, I'm just I'm blown away by your resilience of going through that multiple times. I'm blown. And away. you say that I am blown away by the resilience of women who have felt the child kicking and moving. And I can't even begin to imagine how that is like. I mean, no pregnancy loss at any stage is horrible, but I believe the further you are, the more devastating it must be. Must be. 
Um, so yes. Okay. So then my next question, and this is my lack of understanding when you get into fertility, you were not infertile. You were able to conceive. So why did you seek fertility treatment? Because it wasn't that you weren't fertile. You just couldn't hold or maintain the pregnancy. Is that what you do? If that's your case, your situation. Okay. So obstetricians say, uh, this is not my specialty. You need to see a fertility specialist. So it's not so that's what happens because there may be someone listening that's going, I'm having miscarriages. I can't maintain a baby. My obstetrician just says, try again, but I'm getting pregnant. So I'm not infertile. It's that my body doesn't hold the baby. So fertility yes. specialists also specialize in sustained full-term pregnancies. Is that right? Uh, correct. But as I, I believe as soon as you have like a three months pregnancy, so if you come past the three months, they do refer you to a um, general obstetrician. Okay. Um, you can still see the infertility doctor, but the reason you go to go back to your question to the infertility doctor is because they are set up to do lab work and they are just doing this to rule out all kinds of reasons, not just by the uh, female, but also by the male to make sure that there is nothing else that is interfering with this process. Got it. Okay. Yes. So um, they can prescribe medication to have, uh, or just go all the way to the maximum to the IVF treatment, which is uh, basically the conception outside of the body and implantation of the embryo. Which is Um, what you did two times. Yes, which is what I did two times. And I do remember there was this one time, um, 4th of July, we were at the Gasworks uh, Park over in Seattle and, and celebrating and there were fireworks and I'm looking over the uh, lake <laughs> to, to this fertility center and thinking, look over there in some Petri dish are my, em- are my embryos waiting Oh, implanted in my uterus. It is so absurd, but yeah, these are you know the advances of medicine. Yes, and unfortunately, none of those tries took, and I did end up having a miscarriage both times. Um, oh. uh, the first time, I think they implanted one embryo, and the second round, they did two. Um, even accounting with the risk of twin pregnancy, um, it just did not happen. Oh my very, God. very devastating because you have to go through a, a complete hormonal therapy before um, you actually get to the point of extracting the egg and uh, fertilizing it outside of the body and things like that. I mean, all has to be timed. You can't be out of town. You can't be, I mean, certain times of the day, you have to give yourself hormone injections. And I mean, uh, oh, it's a, it's whole a fiasco. Process. It's the whole process. It's been times that I have disappeared in tents by camping, just, just, you know, catching up with some hormone therapy and things like that. It's, it is, I mean, looking back at it, it is very absurd, but it is what one goes through everything to make it work because yes. of that desire. Okay. And I know from someone that I know personally who had uh, trouble me getting pregnant in the first place. She tried fertility treatments and was telling me the cost, mm-hmm. the oh, financial yes. burden, along with the emotional burden. And I know this was a while ago um, mm-hmm. for you, but I mean, this is something that some insurance, I mean, I know people had trouble getting insurance to even cover this and they had, you know, they were going in debt trying to create Yes, I have heard those stories too. A lot of people go through that. That's actually something I have been blessed that I didn't have to worry about because of our background and uh, and the fact that we had saved and waited. And so we could afford, but it is very devastating that all of a sudden, you know, out of pocket. Is that right? It's an out of pocket. Completely out of pocket. Yes, completely out of pocket. It's about every infertility treatment when it comes to that is somewhere between when you get go to those levels of lab work and even to IVF ends up being between, I mean, back then at that time was at least like that between 5,000 to $20,000. Yeah. Which is the full IVF. And and it is just devastating. And so you do that two times and you lose both babies. And so you lose $40,000 and and two babies. So, I mean, you have devastation from every direction. 
Yes, that's correct. That is, it's hard to describe really. One has to have gone through that. I'm sure if you have listeners that have gone through that can very well relate to what one goes through. It's very, very hard. Before we get into your next step, can you describe or tell me a little bit about how you were feeling about yourself as a woman at this point? Did you have any, you know, your career, you're successful, you already have a child. Did you have any points where you thought something was wrong with you? Like, did you ever self-doubt? Did you feel defeated? Did you, or did you just press on? What what was your emotional, mental health like at this point? I think. And this is what I want to say. It's that I did not, I always tried hard for whatever I want to achieve. Um, It was just with me and my husband, both of us. And this was pretty much the first time that I had realized in my life that no matter how hard I work or how much I give, this is just out of my hand. It's not happening. Mm. And that feeling was devastating. It's like a certain sense of pride Mm -hmm. and achievement. So I was broken in that point. I never doubted like, oh, my body cannot do that or what is wrong with me or anything. It was just a question of why, what happened, you know, and something that I couldn't explain no matter how much I read. And uh, God knows I read a lot of literature. Um, about this during that time, but I, w- I could not grasp this. And that was, that was really hurting me at a different level, not accepting that I can't make it happen no matter how hard I try. And did the obsession with trying to conceive your second child affect your parenting with your first one at all? Did you ever feel like you, your mind would go away? Did you, did you feel like you could be present with your firstborn or did you feel like, just totally sidetracked with this whole obsession of trying to get pregnant. It actually I did not affect it that much, even though I was thinking about it often. I was really cherishing my time uh, okay. with my firstborn uh, because I knew how precious that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were times that, let's say, we were in a museum. Uh, one day, on one particular day, I remember we were in the children's uh, museum in Bellevue, and I received a phone call from from the SRM telling me that um, the pregnancy test was negative after one of those uh, tremendous treatments. And I just was, oh, I was, I don't know. I I just felt like, okay, we need to leave and go home Mm. to get over this. And I I felt that. I tried not to show it and we continued because, um, you know, I had small toddler and and so but I felt that and and it affected the way I would dress I would just deal with things I was everything in life is in shadow of that desire it is just an influx of emotions that one can't even describe wow it is really amazing when I think about all that we do if we have a child already and the things that we juggle the plates that we keep in the air trying to keep our children happy, healthy, fed, nurtured while we're dealing with this emotional stuff. It really is the most difficult job in the world, being a mother. Yes. It is actually magic. I think it is magic. magic. Yes. There must be some, yeah. It's a gift. (laughs) (laughs) It just happens. So now you're, you've done two fertility treatments or IVF treatments, sorry. And you've gone through multiple losses, is there, there, I know you have two children, so I know there's a, a, a point where this turns. Can you take us on the next part of your story? How did that happen? Yes. So what happens was I had also several DNCs. I had to have DNCs. These are a dilation and curatage of the uterus. It's a procedure uh, to remove um, um, remaining products of conception. Okay. Um, uh, after... Um, you have had a pregnancy loss, you are supposed to do an ultrasound, make sure that the uterus has discharged everything um, and that the endometrium is clean. Mm -hmm. So um, there was this one time that I, um, there was, it was Mother's Day and I uh, postponed my DNC because the doctor had uh, prescribed it and I had asked if I could travel to East Coast and then come back and do the 
DNC procedure and um, she was okay with it. So I left town and I came back and for some other reason, I postponed it again. And then one afternoon, one beautiful afternoon in April um, where I had uh, purchased strawberry plants and wanted to plant them with my son, I felt very tired and told him that I will take a nap and he can play Legos right next to me. Uh-huh. Uh, until I get up and then we can go plant the strawberries. And so we were in bed and I woke up from a nap in chill and sweats and was feeling terrible. I was so cold that I just kind of crawled to the kitchen and made some, uh, boiled some water and started drinking it, but I couldn't even stand. Um, My son was about four back then um and he was just playing happily with his legos on my bed and he did realize i'm not feeling well but you know i i think at that age you don't realize he i as he may have asked me how i am and i said i'm okay and so i crawled back in uh, back into bed and i then called my husband who was about to board a plane to Chicago to give a lecture. And I told him that I am feeling miserable and I'm so cold and, and I can't even focus. And things were coming in and out. It was getting dark in front of my eyes. And so he said, okay, um, why don't you call 911? I was so, uh, everything was taking too long for me. Okay. Um, so I got very impatient and I said, okay, and and then let it go. And then I fell back to I don't know if it was a nap. It was a trance moment. And I did call 911. And again, the phone call, the lady who answered the call, I felt like she's taking too long. Um, um, Everything was just stretched. But then she was trying to keep me on the phone to get the information out. And um, I do not remember if it was me or my son who gave the address. Oh, my God. I do remember that the phone fell from my hand into the sheets of the bed and I couldn't find it anymore because I could not keep my eyes open. And then I don't remember anything. Next thing I remembered was somebody was in the house. I heard some male voices. And next thing I remember was me being in an ambulance and being in the most serene state I've ever been in my life. Um, It was... um, I just felt like everything is fine and I need to just rest. And I was seeing a very bright light. I was seeing my dad who had passed away years ago and some of the friends who had passed. Um, It was a beautiful sight I saw that I wanted to go to. And I was getting constantly interrupted by this gentleman, the Mokotio Fire Department, uh, that was yelling at me uh, and telling me, I mean, answering, uh, asking questions. You know, where's your husband? What's his phone number? And I I thought I had already told him the phone number, but he wouldn't let me just be at peace. He would just bring me back to this agony. Um, And I was getting so angry with him. And I said, I need to rest. I need to go. Just leave me. And, oh, actually, I did tell him that I'm making an important decision and he needs to be quiet. Oh. And um, I do remember that. And, and um, upon that, he yelled at me. Uh, and he may not have yelled. I don't know. That's how I perceived it. Uh, what I remember is him yelling at me, telling me that I have a four-year-old son and I have no right to decide any of this and I need to stay with him. Mm. And he would just shake me uh, and say that I need to stay with him because this is none of my decisions and I, I need to be with him and I have a four-year-old son and he would just bring me back to the reality of what is here and that is, I believe, what kept me on. Okay, I I have, I, you have totally shocked me. <laughs> I had no idea, none. This I'm hearing this for the first time in my life. I'm, I didn't know this part of your story. So, okay, I have so many questions. First, when, okay. you, when they came, what did they do with your son? What happens in that case? Did he ride along in the ambulance? Did they? No, no, they knocked at the next door, uh, my dear neighbor next door, and uh, let have had her take my son in. Okay, so he's safe. Close the door. So yes, okay, he's so safe. he's taken care of. You're in the hospital having a near death experience. 
I was in ambulance having a near-death experience. In the ambulance. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. You're in the ambulance and you, this is so fresh on my mind because during the pandemic, someone said to me, Christine, you have to see this show, Surviving Death, on Netflix. Just watch the first, uh, the first season or the first episodes or first couple episodes or something. And there is uh, the whole thing was about people that described exactly what you're describing. If you haven't seen it, you need to see it <laughs> because you'll go, oh, that's I me. have not seen <laughs> it. You just described every single person from all over the world in this documentary. No way. Never, <laughs> met, never met each other. All saw a light. Wow. All felt peace. All felt serene. They all saw someone they, they lost who they loved yeah. and they, they didn't have fear about leaving. They were, they were ready. Like they could have, but they came back and they're here to tell their story, but also coming back. Uh, this is little off the subject, but the, the, therapy. There's a woman in Seattle that does therapy for these survivors because they have guilt. Sometimes they were in a multiple car, you know, people in a car crash where multiple people passed away and they didn't, uh, but they had that experience and they're still here and they struggle or, you know, just different things. And this, the woman in Seattle is counseling them on transitioning back to earth because they had this experience. So I'm sharing that with you just because you have brought this all back to the surface of me watching, realizing now after watching, if you haven't seen it, if you're listening, if you haven't seen it, just watch the beginning because it describes Busa's experience to a T and the peace. And you, so you did feel the serenity of that. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. But you also felt the challenge of wanting to be there and here at the same time because of your son. Uh, well, he reminded me of that. I wasn't thinking of anything at that point. It was just also beautiful that I wanted to go to, but he brought me to this. And then I saw a vision of my husband and my son standing at the, um, entrance door at the house. And, um, there was like this strawberry light that sometimes in April comes in Washington and I saw them and, and we were getting away from them, but that never happened because my husband wasn't home at that time. Um, so it must have been, a, a, something in my imagination. I, I was leaving them actually wow. that picture. So and what, what was this? What, what were you suffering from? I was going through a sepsis. So the uterus had infected that the remaining product of conception remained. That's why one needs to go through the curatage okay. and remove that. Otherwise they can be because they don't get nutrition because the pregnancy has been rejected. Okay. So the endometrium has this remaining products of placenta and fetal products that is remained there and can get infected. Mm. And so in that case, my uterus had turned into a big abscess itself. Oh my goodness. And, oh my and goodness. that had gone to the blood and I had basic, I was in septic shock. Oh my goodness. In in the full in the full form of it. And so um yeah, this is what it was. <laughs> oh my goodness. So how long were you in the hospital? So my husband did not board the plane and he just returned and started driving as he described himself like a madman um over to uh the Providence Hospital in Everett. Mm. Because that's where he learned that I would be transferred to. Okay. Um, and so I was there at ER and the doctors were, it was a very, very strange period of time for me. It is, I should have back then written all the details about that because I was seeing things that are very absurd to me right now. Mm-hmm. Like the nurse talking to me calmly and suddenly the layers of her um, tissue in her face were, were pe- being peeled out. Like first her skin was gone. Oh. And then with the, all the fatty tissues, then those were gone. And I could see all her muscles in detail. It was like this anatomy books that you take each layer away for learning. I was seeing her in that and she would, then, then she was a skeleton. It was, I was in septic shock with all oh the. Oh my goodness. So the hallucinations. Hallucinations. Exactly. I do, I do remember this part that I stood on the bed and told them that something terrible is coming and they need to prevent that. I think then I saw a police coming in and then I was just in and out. But uh, my husband said later that when he came to the clinic, 
that I was bound to the bed. So they could not keep me still. Apparently it was that bad. Wow. You're a little firecracker. Yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> and he just had walked into ER, which you can't, you know, you can't just walk into the sure. ER, into the treatment room. But for some reason, was it, uh, I don't know, <laughs> fate okay. or whatever one wants to call it. He had walked in there and had realized that they are trying to set up for all kinds of drug testings uh, because this is what they see most when people are in this state. Um, they have taken some drugs and... Oh my uh, goodness. They don't know who you are. They don't know your They background. don't know anything. They couldn't right. ask anything of me and they were just... The doctor who was there was just giving these orders and my husband and this, I hear from my husband that my husband just was begging him to do whatever tests they want to do, but do start me on antibiotics as soon as possible. Because he, he just had, I guess he had put one and one together in his head and, and come to some sort of, because he knew I'm not taking drugs. Right. And then the doctor has been trying, or the nurses have been trying to explain to him that not all husbands know what goes on at home and that they do need to do this drug test. And he had said, do for God's sake, whatever drug test you want to do, but she must be on antibiotics a while. Like she must have been because this looks like sepsis to me for an infection. I can't explain it, but she had some pregnancy losses. Maybe it's related to that. So that convinced the doctor. My husband says he looked at me um, for a short moment and just made a, a split second decision wow. to listen or not. And that is basically what saved my life. I have goosebumps. I have goosebumps. Yeah, I do Uh, get scares in my eyes. Your husband, you should probably share a little bit so the listeners know your husband is a physician. So can you tell a little bit about him and what he does for a living? Yeah, my husband is a physician and he is in the field of oncology. So um, not only that, he's just passionate about medicine and every branch of it. So he Mm -hmm. has... uh, not learned it just as a profession. It is also his hobby, his life, uh, his uh, everything. So he what a has blessing. Brought- what a blessing that he did not get on that plane. Yes, I mean, this could be a was- movie. I'm I'm seeing a movie unfold as I, as you tell this story <laughs> of you know yes. you and the nine one one and the phone dropping in slow motion into the sheets and yes. <laughs> you know yes. I'm, I'm kind of we're both giggling, but at the time this is serious. Oh. This is I mean, very serious this matter. Is, this yes. is fatal, right? If you yeah. had not been absolutely in time, this would have taken your life. Absolutely. So how long Basically, were you in the hospital? I was uh, two days in hospital. Um, I was first at the critical care, and then um, they put three different antibiotics IV on me and decided that I need uh, a surgery. The uterus needs to be removed ASAP. And the doctor who was on call to make this uh, decision and perform this decision was was postponing it because she knew that the antibody, the fever has to come down. I need to come out of this hallucination state. Otherwise, it, she will be doing surgery on somebody who is basically lost. And, and these are things in medicine you decide not to do that. She was waiting for any sign of improvement mm-hmm. so that she can perform that. And she herself was in late stages pregnant. Mm. At some point, they decide, because my husband was literally begging uh, and uh, that I will be taken to OR, she finally came and, and agreed to that. And I was completely out of it. So I have heard all these stories. And it must have been after midnight, they had to call an anesthesiologist from home. Mm. And my husband basically, um, she has told my, she had told my husband that she will do what she can, but he, he knows what the outcome of this kind of stuff can be. And so he was left in the waiting room there and, um, the sleepy anesthesiologist and the pregnant OB, um, went to OR with me. And she did tell me afterwards that as she was looking, uh, into the uterus, she felt like it is just as thin as a balloon, blown balloon. 
And that any moment she could see the other side of the uterus. She said, I could see the other organs oh my through goodness. the wall of the uterus. That's how thin it was. Um, and so she had just made a decision on her own. I do not know why she made that decision. Was it because she was pregnant? Or was it because she just thought I am young enough? I do not know, but she did not remove the uterus. She just basically drained it. She did a very difficult DNC. Okay. Of the wall, of the endometrium because the uterus wall was so thin and she said any moment she could have poked through. Wow. They took me out of OR and I actually made it through. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And I'm sitting here thinking, you have another child with a uterus that's as thin as a balloon when it's, it's inflated. Uh, this what? is the miracle. This is the now. This this is this part is the miracle of my life. Okay. Because the story goes on as such that after that incident and, and everybody who has gone through a near-death experience, uh, although not maybe everybody, uh, what you said is, is such happy ending, I was completely delirious after I survived that episode. I was not with my feet on the ground. I was just at least two inches walking above the ground. Everything was possible. Everything was possible for me. It was just such a feeling that I sometimes close my eyes to kind of imagine how that kind of feeling was, the, the, the ultimate feeling of gratitude, happiness, thankfulness, appreciate life, what we should be in all the time, that um, state. I love this. Yes. I mean, that state of life is something everybody should be in at all times. And, and yet we can't. Right. You don't get a near-death experience. Not everyone gets that to taste what it's like to get to be here, that it is a gift yes. to get to be yes. here. Yes. Yes. It is. Wake up another morning. Not everyone gets that opportunity. So you had the, I mean, uh, you, you feel a tangible sense of gratitude because. Absolutely. I, it was, uh, it is indescribable again. And uh, my, I have to tell you that I had started with the recommendation of Dr. Klein at Seattle Reproductive Medicine that I need to see a counselor regarding all these pregnancy losses. And this was one of the best advices that was given to me in my life uh, by a very wise woman. So I started seeing somebody who she had recommended. I didn't think much of it at the beginning, uh, but she ended up being uh, really... Um, a very important person in my life, um, that therapist, Lynn Paynes, who is retired meanwhile. And so our sessions of pregnancy loss and talking about that turned into near-death experience therapies. Wow. And she has helped me go through this. She has described it all to me and, and taken it apart for me and helped me to get back to real life uh, just one step at a time. She has. She is a very, very important person in my life. She she may not know it herself, but um, it is the truth. The counseling throughout all these struggles is so important. I can't stress that enough. This is one of the reasons I I like to share my experience because the times have changed and and the counseling basically rescued me throughout it all. And and here I am. Because of that, um, being talk about it and even smile and giggle and laugh about it. It truly is. And not that it has not left a mark. It has. But um, at least um, I have been able to put the pieces together. Yes. Even cracked, they are glued together and are holding up. <laughs> oh, and you, so I hear you and I hear what you're saying. So if you are listening, she is saying if you've lost babies, if you've lost, you know, if you're, if you're having fertility issues and you're grieving, get help, get mental help, see a therapist, because it does mess with you emotionally. I mean, I, I can't even begin to understand where you were. So I'm so grateful that you shared that because I, I know that there's not a stigma anymore with having a therapist. If we have a personal trainer at the gym, we can also have a personal trainer for our brain and our mental health, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. think it's, it's so nice that it's we've finally broken that through that barrier. So I agree. Yeah. Get, get mental support. Get some help. And don't try to power through it on your own because it can feel very lonely and you can feel defeated. So you mm -hmm. got pregnant after this. I, I'm still like, how did this happen? <sighs> 
Did you? I really don't know. I, uh, it, was a, it was a spontaneous pregnancy. You're kidding. Um, yes. And so, again, I had completely given up um, af- after this episode. How I soon? Was I have to know. How soon after the hospital did you conceive Ella? Uh, I was in April in hospital of 2009. Ella was born February 2010. Oh my word. She is yes. a miracle baby. <laughs> oh, she, yes, that was a miracle. Really what happened. It was, I had gotten, I had given up on pregnancy for good. I know I have faked that often before that, oh, I am giving up. I don't want to go through this anymore. I am happy. I have this, I have it. But it never happens. The desire of having a child, it just doesn't go away. Right. So, but after this near-death experience, it did go away. It did go completely away to where, where I did not want to be pregnant. I did okay. not want to have. I was like, this, is, this has happened. So I appreciate truly what I have. Not that I wasn't appreciated. It just, I would not let go of this one issue. And then apparently I had gotten spontaneously pregnant. And with me being so in tune with my body and knowing everything, I knew immediately one day looking in the powder room in the um in the mirror I was like no way it is impossible and then I started panicking and I was like okay this can't be so I was I guess denial but then I had a wart on my foot and I had gone to the uh, local clinic to treat that and I was explaining to my um doctor that, you know, because she was following up all of this, of course, uh, that I have been very tired lately and this and that. And she looked at me and goes, who said, why don't you go pee in a cup for me? And I said, come on, you know, we were back then on first name basis. And I was like, I, can't, I know, you know that this <laughs> is not. And she goes like, no, I have to do that. And then the tre- pregnancy test turned positive and I panicked. Like I was I was like, okay, I need to, I need to have DNC tonight. Oh, and you were afraid I, to be pregnant. Oh, I, I didn't want to. I just, this was like a disaster for me. I was like, I'm not going through all of that again. Oh, and at so this I point, you're 38. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Exactly. So this so is I, high risk anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. That. Okay. Exactly. Okay. So I call my husband. And my husband, again, on the other end of the phone line, he was like, oh, no, oh, my goodness. And so we were like, here we are again going through all that emotional. And so my mom was visiting from East Coast that time. And that evening I had bleeding. And I was like, okay, we need to do it. So I called Everett Clinic and scheduled a DNC because my mom said, so why don't you do all of this now while I'm here taking care of Tristan and you guys can take care of that. And so now you have help. So scheduled as soon as possible. And then the next day, basically, then the next day I uh, had a phone call from Everett Clinic telling me that they have reviewed the papers and they have noticed that they didn't have any ultrasound on file. Oh. And they can't legally do a um, curatage without an ultrasound of the phone. Okay. They need to. So that I have to postpone it and I have to come in for an ultrasound. And I said, well, can I come now? And they said, well, uh, you can come today, but not right now. So they gave me a time and I was ready to go. And I called my husband at work and I told him that I'm going for this Um because they won't do surgery without an ultrasound. And he said, okay, he tries to be there. He meets me in Everett. And I said, you know, we have been through this so often. I'm not even emotional about it. You do your work. You don't have to rush down. It's all good. I'm not emotional. I'll just go. Let them do the ultrasound. And I come, I don't even want to look or anything. So, uh, but sure enough, he was there. So waiting for me in the room with the person who was, doing the ultrasound, which was late, late hours. And so I came in and I'm talking to my husband about, because we had dinner guests that evening. We were talking about what was prepared, what needs to be done. And as she's doing the ultrasound and we are both even not looking, we're talking about future plans. And then she says, okay, here you see the heartbeat and here you see this and here you see that. And Oh my God. We both turn around and sure enough, I am over 
uh, three months pregnant. Oh my goodness. And so we both basically froze. We just didn't know what to say. And there was this, this heart, something we had not, you know, seen on the monitor. Incredible. Uh, it was, I just cannot describe to you with both of us, we were frozen. And then she was like, and she didn't know the ultrasound tech didn't know. She was like, Oh, uh, didn't you know you were pregnant? I was like, yes, but we didn't know that it's that far. And she goes like, Oh yes, this is this. I can, this is this many a week. And that, and she described, she said, would you like to have a picture? And then she starts printing and there we were sent home with a picture of the baby. Oh my word. Our dinner guests and my mom and Tristan. And, and that was Ella. Incredible. And was the rest of the pregnancy easy? Uh, very easy, um, oh but a very big baby. Uh, Ella was nearly 10 pounds. Wow. And, and you're so a half pint. You're just a little thing. So that's a big, big baby. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's true. And so I transferred my pregnancy care um, to Seattle to a doctor that was recommended again by my fertility doctor, Dr. Klein, the best surgeon apparently in the entire area, Dr. Heath Miller. Mm-hmm. And he uh, monitored the rest of the pregnancy. And um, I had um, baby Ella in February 2010. Amazing. And she is healthy and <laughs> witty and brilliant yeah. and beautiful. The gifts of life. To, they to are. Life. Oh my gosh. Okay. We have so many things that we've touched on today. We've touched on the pain and agony and the emotional, you know, Mm -hmm. devastation of loss and trying and feeling like, you know, we're in control of everything, but this one thing we're not in control of and managing that. And you've touched on being a mother and all the things you have to maintain while you're so obsessed on having another child. And then a near death experience. I, you just totally broadsided me with that. And I'm so glad you shared it. And I'm honored that you felt like you could share it here. So I want to just thank you for sharing that because that's a big story. That's, that's not something you've gone through all the therapy for it. So I know that it, even though you've gone through all the therapy for all of this, it's still difficult because you can relate and feel the pain of others. I'm sure. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And the miracle of getting pregnant when you're not trying, which, you know, we could go on for another hour because I'm sure you have a lot of people in the fertility world say, stop focusing on it. Stop right. focusing on oh. it. Stop, stop obsessing yes. about it. It'll happen. And look, here you are <laughs> not wanting it. And here she comes. <laughs> and you're Ella to your family. So Busa, I am just, I feel so honored that you shared this with me. Oh, thank my you. Listeners. And I, I'm honored to be able to share it. <laughs> it is truly a, sto- a story of persistence and determination. Like you definitely exhibited being fierce. There is no doubt in my mind that it <laughs> had a one part of it. be here. You, I mean, look, and now you're, you've, you're raising these two beautiful children and happily married to a man who is definitely dialed in. He just somehow you have, you have a partner there that is outstanding because he made decisions that that needed to be made, but he had no idea they needed to be made until he did it. So he really dialed into what needs to happen. And this story is incredible. Where, what would you say to our listeners as we're wrapping up? If they're stuck in the mud of fertility, if they can't be, you're on the other side and you're getting to celebrate in gratitude of everything, but they might be in the mud right now going, it's, it's never going to happen. My body fails me. This isn't meant for me or whatever. And they're feeling defeated. How your story is so encouraging, but they might not be able to see encouragement or receive it yet. What would you say to that mom or potential mom or someone trying to be a mom? (laughs) Yes. Uh, God knows I have many things to tell to them, but, uh, uh, wrapping it up, I have to say that everybody, everybody's journey is different. You know, everybody, ends up somewhere else at the end of the journey of fertility, if it ever ends. Um, I just know that it is so common. Uh, the prevalence of this is so high that I, every time I had shared 
my story in private with anybody. I hear, I get listened to you. You have had a pregnancy loss. It is so common. Very. So many women have had pregnancy loss and losses and uh, have gone through that uh, hormone roller coaster um, and just move on and do as if nothing happened and pour all in themselves. So um, I think just knowing of that you are not alone helps a lot. Yes. A delicate period of time where you are trying to get pregnant or thinking about that, every word, every action, every food, every travel, every weather, every mood affects you. And not people around you realize that. And so maybe a message to the surrounding of these people, encouraging these people to share their um, emotions and others to understand it. And then what I think very, very highly of and think is the answer to many, many things is education. I think women need to educate themselves about their bodies, how it functions. It is an orchestra a perfect orchestra of hormones, what happens in a female reproductive system. And the more familiar we are with it, the better it is to understand why things happen the way they do happen. Or at least we can get an understanding of how it works, even if we don't, because we haven't discovered everything yet. Exactly. But is a mystery. The female body is a, is and remains so far a mystery. Why certain things happen, and emotional and life circumstances influence all of that. It is something that we need to be aware of. And so, one cannot give, give really an advice to somebody who has this big desire of having a child. You know, let go or relax. All right, none of that will happen. These are just words because it comes from within, and one is helpless. But education is a very, very good thing that one can do. And I can recommend actually a very uh, good book that was written by uh, an author living in Seattle. Mm. Uh, Tony Weschler, uh, the book is titled, it's a national bestseller, Taking Charge of Your Fertility. It is a very informative book. It is not just for people who would like to be pregnant. It is just a book that I recommend to all women um, just to understand the way their bodies work and work have worked in the past and will work in future. I love it. I'll link that book in the show notes if you're listening. So you'll be able to find it because I love that recommendation. Education really does help us at least process, right? Uh, it teaches us, but it also helps us process things because we have an understanding and an orchestra is the best way to describe the human body in general, but the female body, oh my goodness, the <laughs> there's so many things at play. So I love that analogy. Busa, I am so grateful that you spent this time with us today. That's Thank a wrap. You. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Christine. Thank you for having me. I'm not a man hater by any stretch, but I will say women inspire me. We are stronger than we think we are. We can dig deep when we have to, and we power through all the bumps and bruises that life throws our way. And these stories just inspire me just to keep going. And I love knowing, like she said, we're not alone. I hope you enjoyed this story as much as I did. If you would like to reach out to me with any questions or comments, you can always reach me through email info at christinebrunelli.com or find me on Instagram and send me a private message there. If you like this episode, don't forget to hit subscribe so that you get notified the next time a new episode releases. And until next time, my friend, have a fierce, fit, feminine, and fabulous day.